Make happiness the criterion. Make happiness the criterion. Does a person living through intuitions always succeed? Does a person living through intuition always succeed? No. But he is always happy, whether he succeeds or not. And a person not living intuitively is always unhappy, whether he succeeds or not. Success is not the criterion because success depends on many things. Happiness is the criterion because happiness depends only on you. You may not succeed because others are competitors. Even if you are working intuitively, others may be working more cunningly, more cleverly, more calculatively. Calculatingly, calculatingly, more violently, more immorally, immorally. So succeed. So success depends on many other things. Success is a social phenomenon. You, you may not succeed. Who can say that Jesus succeeded? Crucifixion is not a success. It is the great failure. A man crucified when he was just 33. What type of success is this? No one knew about him. Just a few villagers, uneducated people, were his disciples. He had no position, no prestige, no power. What type of success is this? Crucification cannot be said to be a success. But he was happy. He was totally blissful, even when being crucified. And those who were crucifying him would remain alive for many years, but they would remain in misery. So, really, who was under- undergoing crucifixion? So, <laughs> so, really, who was undergoing crucifixion? That is the point. Those who crucified Jesus were they undergoing crucifixion, or was Jesus who was crucified? He was happy. How can you crucify happiness? He was ecstatic. How can you crucify ecstasy? You can kill the body, but you cannot kill the soul. Those who crucified him, they lived, but their life. Was nothing but a long, slow crucifixion, misery and misery and misery. So, the first thing is that I don't say that if you follow the inner guide of your intuition, you will always succeed in the sense that the world recognizes success, but in the sense that a Buddha or a Jesus recognizes success. You will succeed. And that success is measured by your happiness, your bliss, whatsoever happens in whatsoever happens is irrelevant. You will be happy. Whether the world says that you have been a failure or the world makes you a star, a success, it doesn't make any difference. You will be happy, whatever the case. You will be blissful. Bliss is success to me. If you can understand that bliss is success, then I, I will say you will succeed always. But to you, bliss is not success. Success is something else. It may even be misery. Even if you know that is. Even if you know that it is gonna be a misery, you long for success. We are ready to be miserable if success comes to us. So, what is success to us? Success is ego fulfillment, not bliss. It is just to, it is just so that people will say that you have succeeded. You may have lost everything. 
you may have lost your soul. You may have lost all the innocence that gives bliss. You may have lost all the peace, silence that brings you nearer to the divine. You may have lost all and become just a madman. But the world will say you are a success. For the world, ego gratification is the success.、Mm, I like it. For the world, ego gratification is the success. For me, it is not. For me, to be blissful is success. Whether anyone knows about you or not, it is irrelevant. Whether anyone knows about you or not, whether you live totally unknown, unheard of, unnoticed. But if you are blissful, you have succeeded. If you are blissful, you have succeeded. So remember this distinction because many people would like to be intuitive, would like to find the inner guide just to succeed in the world. From, for them, the inner guide will be a frustration. In the first place, they cannot find it. In the second place, even if they can find it, they will be miserable. Because what they are aiming at is recognition by the world, ego fulfillment, not bliss. Be clear in the mind. Don't be success oriented. Don't be success oriented. Success is the greatest failure in the world. <laughs> success is the great failure in the world. So don't try to succeed. Otherwise, you'll be a failure. Think of being blissful. Every moment, think of being more and more blissful. Then the world, then the whole world may say, You are a failure. <laughs> But you will not be a failure. You have attained. Buddha was a failure in the eyes of the friends. Buddha was a failure in the eyes of his friends, family, wife, father, teachers, society. He was a failure. He had become just a beggar. What type of success is this? He could have been a great emperor. He had the qualities. He had the philosophy. He had the personality. He had the mind. He could have been a great emperor. But he became a beggar. He was a failure, obviously. But I say to you, he was not a failure. If he had become an emperor, then he would have been a failure because he would have missed his real life. What he attained under the body tree was the real, and what he lost was unreal. With the real, Okay, I like it.、Uh, maybe three stars or five stars, I think. With the real, you will succeed in the inner life. With the unreal, I don't know. If you want to succeed in the unreal, then follow the path of those who are working with cunningness, cleverness, competition, jealousy, violence. Follow their path. The inner guide is not for you. If you want to gain something of the world, then don't listen to the inner guide. But ultimately, you will feel that although you have won the whole world, you have lost yourself. Jesus said,、uh, What does a man get if he loses his soul? And gains the whole world. Whom will you call a success? Alexander the Great or Jesus the Crucified? Alex, Alexander the Great or Jesus the Crucified? So if 
um, that if has to be understood well, if you are interested in the world, then the inner guide is not a guide for you. If you are interested in the inner dimension of being, then the inner guide uh, and only the inner guide can help. Go for the poetly. Many things cannot be expressed in Western languages because the Western, uh, because the Eastern approach toward reality is basically fundamentally tacitly different. I like this one. Let me read it again. Many things cannot be expressed in Western languages because the Eastern approach toward reality is basically, fundamentally, tacitly different. Sometimes it happens the same thing can be looked at in the Eastern and the Western way and on the surface the conclusion may look similar. But they cannot be. If you go a little deeper, if you dig a little deeper, you will find great differences. Not ordinary differences, but extraordinary differences. Just the other night, I was reading the famous haiku of Basho, the Zen mystic and master. It does not look like great poetry to the Western mind or to the mind that has been educated in a Western way. And now the whole world is being educated in the Western way. East and West have disappeared as far as education is concerned. Listen to it silently because it is not what you call great poetry, but it is great insight, which is far more important. It has tremendous poetry, but to feel that poetry, you have to be subtle. Intellectually, it cannot be understood. It can be understood only intuitively. This is the haiku. When I look carefully, I see the namazu, nazumiya blooming, nazumiya blooming by the hedge. When I look carefully, I see the Nazmiya, Nazniya blooming by the hedge. Now, there seems to be nothing of great poetry in it, but let us go into it with more sympathy because Basho is being translated into English. In his own language, it has a total it has it has a totally different texture and flavor the nazumina nazunia is a common flower grows by itself by the side of the road a grass flower it is so common that nobody ever looks at it it is not a precious rose it is not a rare lotus. It is easy to see the beauty of a rare lotus floating on a lake, a blue lotus. How can you avoid seeing it? For a moment, you are bound to be caught by its beauty. Or a beautiful rose dancing in the wind, in the sun, for a split second it possesses you. It is stunning. But a Nazumina, Nazumia 
Nazania. Is an ordinary common flower. It needs no gardening, no gardener. It grows by itself anywhere. To see a Nazania carefully, a meditator is needed. A delicate consciousness is needed. Otherwise, you will pass it by. It has no apparent beauty. Its beauty is deep. Its beauty is that of the ordinary. But the ordinary contains the extraordinary in it. Even the Nazumina. Okay, let me read from the top. This is the haiku. When I look carefully, I see the Nazumina, Nazunia blooming by the hedge. Now, there seems to be nothing of great poetry in it, but let us go into it with more sympathy. Because Basho is being translated into English in his own language, it has a totally different texture and flavor. The Nazania is a common flower, glows by itself by the side of the road, a grass flower. It is so common that nobody ever looks at it. It is not a precious rose. It is not a rare lotus. It is easy to see the beauty of a rare lotus floating on the lake. A blue lotus. How can you avoid seeing it? For a moment, you are bound to be caught by its beauty. Or a beautiful rose dancing in the wind in the sun. For a split second, it possesses you. It is stunning. But a nazunia. It's an ordinary common flower. It needs no gardening, no gardener. It grows by itself anywhere. To see a Nazania carefully, a meditator is needed. A delicate consciousness is needed. Otherwise, you'll pass it by. It has no apparent beauty. Its beauty is deep. Its beauty is that of the ordinary, but the ordinary contains the extraordinary in it, even the Nazania. Unless you penetrate it with a sympathetic heart, you will miss it. When for the first time you read, when you, when for the first time you read Basho, you start thinking. When for the first time you read Basho, you start thinking, what is there so tremendously important to say about a Nazania blooming by the hedge? In Basho's poem, the last syllable, kana in Japanese, is translated by an explanation, exclamation, exclamation point. Because we don't have any other way to translate. Kana means, but kana means, I'm amazed. Now, from where is the beauty coming? It is coming from the Nazania, because thousands of people may have passed by the side of the hedge. And nobody may even have looked at this small flower. And Basho is possessed by its beauty. It's transported into another world. What has happened? It is not really the Nazania. Otherwise, it would have caught everybody's eye. It is Basho's insight, his open heart, his sympathetic vision. His meditativeness. Meditation is alchemy.
It can transform the base metal into gold. Ah, I like that. Meditation is alchemy. It can transform the base metal into gold. It can transform Nazania flower into a lotus. When I look carefully, and the word carefully means attentively, with awareness, mindfully, meditatively, with love, with caring, one can just look without caring at all. And then one will miss the whole point. That word carefully has to be remembered in all its meanings. But the root meaning is meditatively. And what does it mean when you see something meditatively? It means without mind, looking without the mind, no clouds of thought in the sky of your consciousness, no memories passing by, no desires, nothing at all, utter emptiness. When in such a state of no mind you look, even a Nazania is transported into another world. It becomes a lotus of paradise. It is no longer part of the, of the earth. The extraordinary has been found in the ordinary. And this is the way of a Buddha. To find the extraordinary in the ordinary, to find all in the now, to find the whole in this. Gudama Buddha calls it Tahata, Tathata, Tathata. Basho's haiku is a haiku of Tahata. This Nazmina, this Nazniya, looked at lovingly, killingly, through the heart, unclouded consciousness, in a state of no mind, and one is amazed, one is in awe, a great wonder arises. How is it possible, this Nazniya, and if a Nazniya is possible, then everything is possible. If a Nazniya can be so beautiful, Basho can be a Buddha. If a Nazania can contain such poetry, then each stone can become a sermon. When I look carefully, I see the Nazania blooming by the hedge. Kana, I'm amazed. I'm struck dumb. I cannot say anything about this beauty. I can only hint at it. A haiku simply hints. The haiku only indicates, and in a, in a, <laughs> an, in an indirectly, uh, and in an indirect way, and in an indirect way, and in an indirectly way, and in an indirectly way. A similar situation is found in. Tenny Sun's famous poetry. Comparing both will be a great help to you. Basho represents the intuitive. Tennyson, the intellectual. Basho represents Basho represents the East. Tennyson, the West. Basho represents meditation. Tennyson mind. They look similar and sometimes the poetry of Tyson, Tennyson may look more poetic than Basho's because it is direct, it is obvious. Flower in the cranial, craned. Flower in the craned wall, I pluck 
you out of the crannies. I hold you here, root and all, in my hand, little flower. But if I could understand what you are, root and all, and all in all, I should know what God and man is. Flower in the cranied wall, I plunk you out of the crannies. I hold you here, root and all, in my hand, little flower. But if I could understand what you are, root and all, and all in all, I should know what God and man is. A beautiful piece? But nothing compared to Basho. Let us see where Tennyson becomes totally different. First, flower in the cranied, cranied wall, I pluck you out of the crannies. Basho simply looks at the flower. He does not pluck it out. Basho is a passive awareness. Tennyson is active, violent. In fact, if you have really been impressed by the flower, you cannot pluck it. If the flower has reached your heart, how can you pluck it? Plucking means plucking it means destroying it, killing it. It is murder. Nobody has thought about Tennyson's poetry as murder. But it is murder. How can you destroy something so beautiful? But that's how our mind functions. It is destructive. It wants to possess, and the possession is possible only through destruction. Remember, Whenever you possess something or somebody, you destroy something or somebody. You possess the woman, you destroy her, her beauty, her soul. You possess the man, he is no longer a human being. You have reduced him to an object, into a commodity. Basho looks carefully, just looks, not even gaze. Not even gazes concentrate concentratedly. Just a look, soft, feminine, as if afraid to hurt the Nazmnia. Tennyson plucks it out of the crannies and says, "I hold you here, root and all, in my hand, little flower." He remains separate. The observer and the observed are nowhere melting, merging, meeting. It is not a love affair. Tennyson attacks the flower, plucks it out, plucks it out root and all, holds it in his hand. Mind always feel good whenever it can possess, control, hold. A meditative state of consciousness is not interested in possessing, in holding, because all those are the ways of the violent mind. And Tennyson says, "Little flower, the little remains little, the flower remains little. He remains on a high pedestal. He remains on a high." Pedestal. He is a man, a great intellectual, a great poet. He remains in his ego, little flower. For Basho, there is no question of comparison. He says nothing about himself, as he is not. There is no observer. The beauty is such that it brings a transcendence. The Nazania flower is there, 
blooming by the hedge. Kana, the basho, is simply amazed. It struck to the very roots of his being. The beauty is overpowering. Rather than possessing the flower, he is possessed by the flower. He is in a total surrender to the beauty of the flower, to die to the beauty of the moment, to the benediction of the here now. I think I feel the same way very much this time. I'm not quite sure last time I did. A little flower says Tennyson, but if I could understand that that obsession to understand, appreciation is not enough, love is not enough, understanding has to be there, knowledge has to be produced. Unless knowledge is arrived at, Tennyson cannot be at ease. The flower has become a question mark for Tyson. The flower has become a question mark for Tennyson. It is a question mark for Basho. It is an exclamation point. Exclamation point. Ah. And there is the great difference. The question mark. And the exclamation point. Love is enough for Basha. Love is understanding. What more understanding can be there? But Tennyson seems to know nothing of love. His mind is there, hankering to know. But if I could understand what you are, root and all, and all in all, and mind is compulsively perfectionist. Nothing can be left unknown. Nothing can be allowed to remain unknown and mysterious. Root and all, and all in all, has to be understood. Unless mind knows everything, it remains afraid, because knowledge gives power. If there is something mysterious, you are bound to remain afraid because the mysterious cannot be controlled. And who knows what is hidden in the mysterious? Maybe the enemy, maybe a danger, maybe insecurity, and who knows what it and who knows what it is going to do to you before it can do anything. It has to be understood. It has to be unknown. It has to be known. Nothing can be left as mysterious. Nothing can be left as mysterious. But then all poetry disappears. All love disappears. All mystery disappears. All wonder disappears. All soul disappears. The song disappears, the celebration disappears, all is known. Then nothing is valuable. All is known. Then nothing is of my worth. Then nothing is of any worth. All is known. Then there is no meaning in life, no significance in life. See the paradox. The first the mind says, Know everything. And when you have known it, the mind says, there is no meaning in life. You have destroyed the meaning, and now you are hankering for meaning. <laughs> the mind is destructive of meaning, and because it insists everything can be known, it cannot allow the third category, the unknowable which will remain unknowable eternally. And in the, in the unknowable is the significance of life. Oh. I like it. All the great values of beauty, of love, of God, of prayer, all that is really significant, 
all that makes life worth living is part of the third category. The unknowable. The unknowable is another name for God, another name for the mysterious and the mis- miraculous. Without it, there can be no wonder in your heart, and without wonder, a heart is not a heart at all, and without awe, you lose something tremendously precious. Then your eyes are full of dust, they lose clarity. Then the bird, then the bird goes on singing, but you are unaffected, unstirred. Your heart is not moved, because you know the explanation. The trees are green, but the greenness does not transform you into a dancer. Into a singer, it does not trigger a poetry in your being because you know the explanation. It is、uh, chlorophyll. It is chlorophyll. 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 That is making the green, making the trees green. So nothing of poetry is left when the explanation is there. The poetry disappears, and all explanations are utilitarian; they are not ultimate. If you don't trust the unknowable, then how can you say that rose is beautiful? There, where is the beauty? <laughs> It is not a chemical component of the rose. The rose can be analyzed, and you will not find any beauty in it. <laughs> If you don't believe in the unknowable, you can do an autopsy on a man, a postmortem. You will not find any soul, and you can go on searching for God, and you will not find him anywhere, because he is everywhere. <laughs> The mind is going to miss him, because the mind would like him to be an object, and God is not an object. God is a vibe. If you are attuned to the soundless sound of existence, if you are attuned to one hand clapping, if you are attuned to what the Indian mystics have called. Anahat, the ultimate music of existence. If you are attuned to the mysterious, you will know that only God is and nothing else. Then God becomes mis- synonymous with existence. But these things cannot be understood. These things cannot be reduced to knowledge, and that's where T- Tennyson misses. Misses the whole point, he says, "Little flower, but if I could understand what you are, root and all and all and all in all, <laughs> I should know what God and man is. But it is all, but an if, but it is all, but an if. Basho knows what God is." And what man is, in that explanation mark, Kana. I'm amazed. I'm surprised. Nazania, blooming by the hedge. Maybe it is a full moon night, or maybe it is early morning. I can actually see Basho standing by the side of the road, not moving, as if his breath had stopped. Na, anazmi, anazmiya, so beautiful. All past is gone. All future has disappeared. There are no more questions in his mind, just sheer amazement. Basho has become a child. Again, those innocent eyes of a child, looking at Nazmiya.
carefully, lovingly. And in that love, in that care, is a total different kind of understanding. Not intellectual, not analytical. Tennyson intellectualizes the whole phenomenon and destroys its beauty. Tennyson represents the West. Basho represents the East. Tennyson represents the male mind. Basho represents Basho represents the feminine mind. Tennyson represents the mind. Basho represents the no mind. Afterward, no destination. The destination is subtle, but it is the same distinction as between the mind and the heart. Oh, no destination. The distinction is subtle, but it is the same distinction as between the mind and the heart, between logic and love, or even more appropriate, between prose and poetry. A distinction is a clear-cut thing. Distinction is intuitive. A destination is no, no. A destination is a clear-cut thing. This direction is intuitive. A destination is something outside you, more like a thing. Direction is an inner feeling, not an object, but your very subjectivity. You can feel direction. You cannot know. You can cannot know it. You can know the destination. You cannot feel it. Destination is in the future. Once decided, you start manipulating your life toward it, steering your life toward it. How can you decide the future? How, who are you to decide the unknown? How is it possible for to fix? The future, future is that which is not known yet. Future is open possibility. By your fixing a destination, your future is no longer a future, because it is no longer open. Now, you have chosen one alternative out of many, because when all the alternatives were open, it was future. Now. All alternatives have been dropped. Only one alternative has been chosen. It is no longer future. It is your past. When you decide a destination, it is the past that decides. Your experience of the past, your knowledge of the past decides. You kill the future. Then you go on repeating your past, maybe a little modified, a little changed here and there, according to your comfort, convenience, repainted, renovated, but still it comes out of the past. This is the way one loses track of the future. By deciding a destination, one loses track of the future. One becomes dead. One starts functioning like a mechanism. Direction is something alive. In the moment, it knows nothing of the future. It knows nothing of the past, but it throbs, pulsates here and now. And out of this pulsating moment, the next moment is created, not by any decision. On your part, but just because you live this moment and you live it so totally, and you love this moment too wholly, out of this holiness, out of this wholeness, the next moment is born. Wow. It is going to have a direction. That direction is not given by you. It is not. Imposed by you, it is spontaneous. You cannot decide direction. You can only live this moment that is available to you. By living it, direction arises. If you dance, the next movement 
the next moment is gonna be of a deeper dance. Not that you decide, but you simply dance this morning, this moment. You have created a direction. You are not manipulating it. The next moment will be more full of dancing, and still more will be following. Destination is fixed by the mind. Direction is earned by living. Oh, I like it. Destination is logical. One wants to be a doctor. One wants to be an engineer. One wants to be a scientist. Or one wants to be a politician. One wants to be a rich man, famous man. These are destinations. Direction? One simple. One simply lives the moment in deep trust that life will decide. Oh. One simply lives the moment in deep trust that life will decide. I like this. Exactly what I needed at this moment of my life. Direction. One simply lives the moment in deep trust that life will decide. One lives this moment so totally that out of this totality, a freshness is born. Out of this totality, the, pa- the past dissolves and the future starts taking shape. But this shape is not given by you. The shape is earned by you. One Zen master, Rinzai, was dying. He was on the deathbed. Somebody asked, Master, people will ask after you are gone, what was your essential teaching? (laughs) You have said many things. You have talked about many things. It will be difficult for us to condense it. Before you leave, please, you yourself condense it into a single sentence so we will treasure it and whether people who have not known you desire and whenever people who have not known you desire you can we can give them your essential teaching dying Gorinzai opened his eyes gave a great zen shout a lion's roar they were all shocked. They couldn't believe that this dying man could have so much energy. They were not expecting it. The man was unpredictable. He had always been so. But even with this unpredictable man, they were not in any way expecting that dying. The man was unpredictable. He had always been so, but even with this unpredictable man, they were not in any way expecting that dying. At the last moment, he would give such a lion's roar. And when they were shocked, and of course their minds stopped, they were surprised. Then aback, Rinzai said, this is it, closed his eyes. And died. Wow, I like it. I should remember this anecdote, this story. This moment, this silent moment, this moment uncorrupted by thought, this silence that was surrounding this surprise, this last lion's roar over death, this is it. Yes, direction comes out of living this moment. It is not something that you manage and plan. It happens. It is subtle. And you will never be certain about it. You can only feel it. That's why I say it is more like poetry, Not like prose. More like love. Not like logic more like an more like art than like science and that's its beauty 
hesitant, as hesitant as a dewdrop on a grass leaf, slipping, not knowing where, not knowing why, in the morning sun, just slipping on a leaf of grass. Direction is subtle, delicate, fragile. Destination belongs to the ego, direction belongs to life, to being. To move in the world of direction, one needs tremendous trust because one is moving in insecurity, in insecurity, in insecurity, in insecurity. One is moving in darkness, but the darkness has a thrill in it. Without any map, without any guide, you are moving into the unknown. Each step is a discovery, and it is not only a discovery of the outside world. Simultaneously, something is discovered in you also. A discovery. A discoverer not only discovers things, as he goes on discovering more and more unknown world, he goes on discovering himself also, simultaneously. Each discovery is an inner discovery also. The more you know, the more you know about the knower. The more you love, the more you know about the lover. I'm not gonna give you a destination. I can only give you a direction, awake, throbbing, with life and unknown, always surprising, unpredictable. I'm not going to keep, I'm not gonna give you a map. I can give you only a great passion to discover. Yes, a map is not needed. Great passion, great desire to discover is needed. Then I leave you alone. Then you go on your own. Move into the vast, into the infinite. And by and by, learn to trust it. Leave yourself in the hands of life. The man who trusts the man who is thrilled even at the gate of death, he can give a lion's roar, even dying, because he knows nothing dies. Because he knows nothing dies. At the very moment of death, he can say, this is it. Because such moment, this is it. This is it. It may be life, it may be death, it may be success, it may be failure, it may be happen, happiness, it may be unhappiness, each moment. This is it. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, as far as you face it, you merge it. Uh, I like it. I think this is the best one out of 10 or something. At the beginning, I thought this one is a little bit difficult for me, or I don't really understand. But now, at the last part, I, this part really resonates with me at this moment. Okay.